happy holidays. We have just a few days left in the year. Lex, how do you spend Christmas? I spent Christmas watching the Christmas basketball games, Christmas NBA games. It's a tradition in my household. So you got to get in front of a TV, get your favorite snacks, get comfortable, do whatever you got to do, and just watch, you know, watch the NBA. Embarrass themselves <laughs> in the third quarter, maybe. It's a rough year for the Lakers, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope you guys had a happy holidays. Mine were fine. Um, boxing, kind of a downer right now, as it's been for the last couple of months. Um, but we're here to discuss storylines that we are looking at for the following year. We did a so there's this is a two part episode. So part two is going to be on the Patreon. Part two will focus on more kind of like under the radar stuff, whereas this is going to be all the heavy hitters in this episode right here. Um, but the Patreon one will be a fun one, more under the radar stuff. All right. So let's get to the first one. Okay. Lex, you're the one that came up with the list and we're going to discuss what you're looking forward to in 2023, at least in terms of storylines you're watching. So the first one. Canelo's future with the zone. So tell us a little more about what you meant by this. We getting right into it. Well, um, the reality is Canelo is like, like what more does he have left with the zone? Really? Like who, you know, he lost to Bivol. He beat triple G. Like there's no, there's really no more opponents for him. I mean, they're talking about him fighting, uh, John Ryder is a comeback fight in the UK, which is like a waste of a Canelo date. And then he wants to rematch Bivol. Bivol says he doesn't want to fight him. So if he doesn't fight Bivol, what does he do? It seems like the 168th stable has sh slowly shifted to PBC. Canelo's got not going to 160. And at 175, they don't have anybody that could really resonate in America. So you have to wonder, like, maybe DeZone gets two more fights out of Canelo. Then what? I don't even know what then what is, honestly. Well, and even the options that you laid out, like um, how, like what does a, a John Ryder fight do for Canelo? What does a John Ryder fight do for DAZN? And I think that's like really, you know, this is going to kind of weave into the next one. But like um, the Canelo fights have not been the greatest value for them. They're spending, you know, upwards of 50, 60 million dollars for these fights. And the return is clearly, you know, anybody can see it. They're not getting the return that, you know, say HBO was getting for Canelo. And even with HBO getting positive value out of Canelo, they still had to go under and leave boxing behind. For DAZN, it, it seems like the idea for DAZN was great, but at the same time, the execution has been pretty much pretty like bad almost every step of the way and at some point will there be and it, and it's quite possible that this is already happening and we just haven't really like enough time hasn't like time has not passed that we can look back in the rearview mirror and see it clearly but like at some point you would expect there to be some sort of pivot in terms of their strategy i guess we can see a pivot from the initial strategy but it does seem like things are not quite working for them. But 
as it works or as it pertains specifically to Canelo, like just from a take the viewpoint of the zone out, like from Canelo's standpoint, like what do you accomplish staying there with the opponents that they have to offer you? And, you know, then we could discuss, cause I think this is the natural question is like, well, what do you think Canelo really prefers? Is it to have the opponents that solidify his future, you know, his legacy or whatever, which I think largely is already set. I think that's not a controversial opinion. Or is it that he's just trying to secure the most guaranteed money that he can secure? And that's why it makes sense to go with them since they're willing to just hand him a check that says 45 million before he even steps in the ring. Yeah, and I mean, that'd be like, I I feel like there are probably people who listen to the podcast and think I'm like this big Canelo hater, but I guys like Canelo should represent the sport in the highest, like like on the highest platform possible. That's kind of like what I want to see of Canelo. And to see him go out just getting the most money possible and not making impactful fights, it's like disappointing. Um, you know, I know some Canelo fans don't want to see him fight David Benavidez. And um, prior to the Triple G fight, I had that as a, a pretty winnable fight for Canelo. You know, obviously Canelo's getting a bit older. Maybe that's not the case anymore. But like, wouldn't you, if you're a Canelo fan, wouldn't you want to see him in a, a plant rematch or Benavidez fight or maybe Andrade fight on a, a, a PVC pay-per-view? Like that, that's huge. You know, people give Canelo and Eddie Hearn credit for just putting on events, but it's, it's Canelo. Like any event he does will do okay. But like if you're with PBC, or even top rank. I mean, not that top rank has like a bunch of options, but if he was with top rank, these would be like enormous events, whether it's PBC or top rank. And I just would rather Canelo be doing that than just stealing money for DAZN and giving us like lackluster events. I mean, Triple G didn't deliver at all. I think people were really upset after the Triple G fight, to be honest. And Bivol was like complete disappointment. So, yeah, I don't know where Canelo goes after john Ryder and maybe bivel i I feel like he'd have to leave the zone like why would he stay what else is there who'd you say buhatsi buhatsi yeah who the hell is trying to watch that man that's like a joke (laughs) even if it's even if it ends up being a good fight and canelo's like challenged this is what like and i've made this comment before and people don't get this about boxing like your fight whatever opponent you you pick is is really almost as much about the um how the the how people interpret this person how good or bad he is versus how good he actually is in reality like everyone just wrote bivol off as like oh this guy's some scrub canelo's gonna like run through him and then canelo loses historically like no one's gonna care about the bivol fight but then like you have floyd fighting like i don't know victor ortiz like people will remember that fight like they had victor ortiz looking you know formidable in the 24 seven and stuff like that. Like that type of shit matters. I don't know. I I think you're pointing to like a distinction that exists in boxing, but it's kind of like a, it only exists for certain guys. And that's the difference between fights and events. And most guys only have fights, you know, let's just toss out a name. I don't know. Gary Russell jr. Very talented fighter great you know 
pedigrees, got fast hands, whatever. Okay, longtime champion. Gary Russell never had an event. He had a bunch of fights. And events are like Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. It's something that is done in a, done to both bring both worlds together of like people who are hardcore boxing fans and the casual. The event breaks beyond just boxing. And the goal, I think, is always to do events because that's where you gain the most amount of viewers. That's where you make the most money. And, you know, for Gary Russell Jr., he never had that. I think Canelo over the last five years or so has done way too many fights and not enough events. And I'm not going to say that he, he didn't have any. I think some fights either were events or turned into events based off of different circumstances. But there are still fights involved. And the Bivol event, or, well, the Bivol card was a, was a fight. It wasn't an event. And it's why I think you so need to clarify. Like, you, I think you need to make more clear like the difference because I, I I feel like someone could be listening right now and they'll be like, "Did you not see the weigh-in for Bivol versus Canelo? Like, there was a million people outside of the, on the, the on the Las Vegas Strip." And it's like, "Yo, that shit really doesn't matter, man." Like, no, I think some guys sell tickets, some guys have fan bases. That's fine. And Canelo's got a, a like a loyal fan base. Um, and, and Canelo's the type of guy that. He's our active sort of like um, everyone's got to see him once. You know, we have a few of those guys in the sport right now, whether it be Canelo or um, Errol Spence. I don't know. You got guys that everyone just, you, you got to go out and see them fight. And so you're going to get a crowd no matter when they fight. Like selling tickets is not an issue for, for Canelo. It's can his fights buzz and trend all through fight week. And in the days following the fight and not because, you know, you lost, but because people are just excited to see the fight. That's the difference. Um, events that tell a story before and during and after the fight. And then you brought the Victor Ortiz fight. Like the Victor Ortiz fight was very significant. HBO put him in position. HBO puts him against Andre Berto. Someone, it was a sink or swim fight for both guys. And Victor Ortiz came out on top. Um, and so there was this natural story of like, well, we knew Floyd was going to wind up fighting the winner. And then they have the whole like 24-7 where it was, well, uh, God, uh, just cringing thinking back on it. But, you know, yeah, the whole Victor Ortiz was kind of abandoned as a kid. And, you know, he, there was the rivalry between the two brothers, uh, one of which was the guy who trained him. It like went on and on and on. It, the, the, the promotion of the fight was just not like, we want to see who's uh, going to win this vacant title. It was very different from that. And another way to say it is like you phone in promotion and you wind up getting a fight. Now fights are great and we watch fights every weekend. So it's nothing against them, but it's like certain guys in the sport bear the responsibility of putting on events because if we have any shot at the, the mainstream world of sports fan paying attention, it's when they fight. You know, we're not going to hold, um, let's see, a fight that's announced, Ray Vargas versus Oshaki Foster. We're not going to hold those guys to any sort of responsibility to be like these sort of ambassadors for their event that takes place or their car that's going to take place in February. That's just not the expectation for those those guys. But for Canelo, it's different. And we've seen fights with Canelo that just didn't quite pass the mark of being an event, and they trended more along with fights. 
And so, um, what does this have to do with, uh, you know, his future with his own? No, I think it's it's very valid to his future with his own because Canelo as like one of the main ambassadors for the sport, you know, it'll be very telling which path he's willing to take, like how he kind (laughs) of like his feelings towards the sport, honestly. So here's like I couldn't see Floyd, even though Floyd is like doing this like exhibition thing right now, I couldn't see Floyd in the prime of his career, like going to some unknown app and being like, oh, I'll, I'll take this money, not do pay-per-view, fucking be fighting UK bums. Is like, I mean, how like has besides Ricky Hatton, Floyd didn't fight any like UK Euro type guy. Well, I'm not doing trivia with you. <laughs> Don't be I'm just saying like it, it, it makes a difference if you're trying to be a superstar and create superstar events. Okay, you don't normally but, those type of opponents aren't involved. But here's the, the question. Canelo's been a superstar for like I'd say at least 15 years. Now he may not have been a star in the US at that at, you know, but he was a star in Mexico before he came here. This dude has been going through the motions of being a superstar for like going on two decades. Is he, you know, I I definitely think that there's some fatigue. This has become like business as usual for him where he's just been in the spotlight for so long that he actually just doesn't care because it's like, you know, what do I care? I'm like at the end of the road here. And I think anybody who's watched him or observed him think, I think you, it's pretty clear that he at least starts is starting to see the end in sight for his career. Not, not to say he's going to retire, but I mean, like, I, I think he's like, what, 30? 33, 34, I don't know. I, I think Canelo knows he's not going to be boxing forever. And he's already, you know, he can see the exit for himself. Uh, especially when he's dealing with injuries and things like that. And he's got interest outside of the sport. But another question I also have is like, outside of David Benavidez, how many other like legitimate opponents are there for Canelo? And by um, the way, David Benavidez is not a guarantee that he beats Caleb Plant, so. Legitimate? I mean. Right now, obviously somebody can emerge, but. It depends who you ask, right? Like. I'm asking you. If Canelo was in the PBC universe, start, say Canelo tomorrow is like, I'm scrapping my deal with the zone. Me and Espinosa hashed out a deal on PBC now for the next two years. Suddenly, Whatever Andrade does next becomes a lot more important. Suddenly, whatever Charlo does next becomes a lot more important. David Benavides and Plant are fighting, so like that's lined up. So I mean, I think you at least have three quality guys. You, I mean, you could go Benavides Plant winner, Charlo, maybe like a soft touch in between if you want one. Then Benavidez, because PBC is not like PBC doesn't usually do like killer, 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 killer. They'll go like soft touch. I mean, no one does, but go on. Yeah, no one. Of course, no one does. But like, just I, I just wanted to make that clear for anyone listening. Like, like even Pacquiao, like he got Broner to start. I mean, <laughs> say what you want about Broner, but like Broner is a soft touch for Pacquiao. <laughs> then he got Keith, which was like a 50-50 fight. And then it was like, all right, like now... We're throwing you into the grinder. <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah, I'd say it's three. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, short term, I don't think David Morrell. Long term, I think he would be like an answer here. But I just think that he's only got like a couple of opponents. I don't think the better BF thing is happening. Like people keep tossing that shit out. Put better BF's name in the same sentence as Bivol because Canelo's not happening. Um, you know, if you wanted to like actually joke around, you could have said Usyk. That would have made me laugh. I cannot just get beat the fuck up. <laughs> can you imagine how like just like can you imagine what his face would look like? He's a fair skinned dude, and I and I think Usyk would have Canelo, no problem Canelo finding get, the mark. Listen, Canelo will get stopped against Usyk. Hey man, you saw that 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 footage of him sparring with with Frank Sanchez. He was making him miss. I'm just saying, maybe Canelo can beat Usyk. Yeah, right. But listen, he, I I don't even like I don't like love Usyk's game, but like that dude was in there with Joshua. He didn't give he didn't even get knocked down by Joshua. I don't care how fucking sharp Canelo is. He's not hitting harder than Joshua. <laughs> uh well, I mean maybe. You don't know what they're I on. Mean, yeah, that's true. That Clembuterol hit different. Um just all right. saying. Next storyline to watch, DAZN's future in boxing. What do you mean by this? So I mean like Canelo leaves, theoretically, in 2023. What, what is DAZN like, doing at that point? Like they're going to stay in boxing to give Eddie Hearn. Uh, what's my boy that, that got his fight? Oh, my God. He got disqualified for throwing the guy out of the ring. What's the dude's name? <laughs> like, is that love. what the zone is doing now? Like, they're giving Eddie Hearn budget to put those kinds of fights on? If you could guarantee me that in every fight, there's going to be some Montana Love thing happen where somebody's either getting tossed out of the ring, they throw the chair at their opponent. If you can promise me that you're going to get one of those every card, I'd be all, I'd be all in. Yeah, so like, what? Okay, so... Let's let's take away Canelo from the, from the DAZN stable. You have Golden Boy, which DAZN has proved time and time again they don't care about Golden Boy. Uh, Eddie no longer is Haney. He no longer has Andrade. It doesn't seem like he has Daniel Jacobs. AJ is like in completely invalid in America. But Connor Ben is I don't think he'll fight in the UK ever again. Well, not in the, in the immediate future. He'll won't fight in America. So, uh, I mean, that's not really viable for DAZN. I mean, do they have any American fighters that are commercially viable or interesting? I just want to say that you tried to slip Danny Jacobs in here like he's somebody who matters. And uh, but it's I just like, want to like, like, let you know it, that. Least, I, I caught that. I'm just saying, like, who who is over there? I, I'm just running through, like, the roster. I, who is over there? I mean, like... The funny thing is you left out probably the two biggest, like, or the best fighters that they have, which is, and I guess they have them. There's some sort of agreement, I, I guess, which is Bivol and Usyk. But again, to your point, those are guys that don't necessarily move the me the needle here in the, in the U.S. Usyk, is Usyk really with them? Like, I thought, it seems like he's fighting Fury next, which is why I left him out. If he fights Fury next, it's not going to be on his own. I mean, I, I guess they have some sort of agreement, and it's not a full-on thing, but... I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't really know what Usyk's promotional situation is. And in fact, 
both of them may have those sort of like free agent type of deals with them where it's largely fight by fight. I don't know. So, but, but your point stands though, which is like, there, there's really not much to offer. And like, but if you're act, asking from like a, well, we have to come up with an answer here. You know, I'd be curious to know how successful these like misfit boxing cards are, which are, you know, you know, they're YouTuber cards, but they are doing them more. They're promoting them decently for as far as I could tell. And so, I mean, like, but the, the, the issue that I have though, because we're largely talking about the U S market here. If the zone does not have any real footprint for boxing in the U S then what is the purpose of spending money on any rights in the U S when like, I mean, does, you know, a couple hundred thousand subs justify the spend? I don't know. I don't think so. Definitely not. It's not even, I don't think so. It's absolutely not. I mean, well, you're going to like pay Eddie Hearn to put on like MJ Akhmedalia versus some guy, like wanna, versus some Filipino dude. Like, come on, man. Like, just want to throw that was Lex doing a very good job on a pronunciation, something he <laughs> frequently uh, comes up very poorly on. I only know MJ because he's like the last link for Stephen Fulham's like undisputed run. But yeah, I don't know. It's just at some point, right? Like the zone has to take like the look in the mirror and be like, what the hell are we doing? Like this is, this is business. This is not charity. This is not like win on Twitter. So we could like, get retweets and likes and like dunk on writers and fans. This is a business Whoa, that you have right. to Why win. You, you have to, out? I'm not calling you out. I'm take, calling out like Joe Markowski who, who was like, yeah, we're not doing the tank versus Ryan fight unless Steven Espinosa comes to us and makes it official. Like, bro, who are you? You're nobody. Um, anyway. So yeah, but I don't know. I think like, I, I think next year is going to be really interesting for the sport in general because we've seen, if you follow like the media companies, you know, Disney, Paramount, Netflix, Amazon, if you're following all these companies, everything is trending downward. Everything. Um, I think Disney combined on Hulu and ESPN Plus lost $4 billion uh, last year. And so everyone is looking to figure out some way to stop their bleeding. And so, you know, there, there's the question of like, does that in, in, impact? Like, are we going to see a boxing version of that? And I imagine that we are. And so as people tighten their belts, whether, you know, you get like an HBO saying, or well, technically their parent company or Warner discovery, whatever the fuck they are calling themselves. Um, tightening the the wallet in terms of like what they're going to spend on new content. You have Paramount out here saying we're going to spend more money. Everyone is trying to make changes, you know, add tiers, free stuff. Everyone is trying to make a change, um, you know, to figure out how to get their stocks back up. And so I wonder what that ripple effect is going to have on boxing. And, you know, for DAZN specifically, does that mean that they, they really just can't, tolerate like the loss leader that boxing is in the, in this territory specifically. Um, 
I don't know. There's, there's you know, we'll we'll talk about the other companies when we get to their to them, but there's other things that could be affected here. Uh, all right, next up, storyline you're watching, Kinahan's future. Now, what specifically about his future? Um, you know, we we all know that Kinahan loves boxing, right? He wants to be you know, like the anti Al Heyman, but using like a lot of the same methodology as Al Heyman. But when the, uh, you know, when the hammer kind of got dropped on his, you know, illicit practices, it it really uh, hamstringed a lot of like his efforts. And so the question is like, what, what, if at all, is his future in the sport next year? And if he gets caught, like, what does that mean for the guys who, like, still have relationships with him? Right? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, for one, assuming Daniel Kinahan were to get finally caught, and let's make no mistake, this dude is out here running a cartel, trying to launder money through through the sport of boxing. If he gets caught, you're going to see a Marv Nation no longer be able to win a purse bid you're going to see a BLK prime no longer be able to just come in and, and, and do something in the sport of boxing. Like this, all this stuff just dries up because there seems to be uh, a lot of entities coming into boxing with deep pockets. And I, I don't think that that's any coincidence that this dude is a guy with a lot of money looking to wash it. Um, and so, I mean, th that is something for sure I'm watching next year. I think there are, there's an interesting case. Um, I don't remember if I've talked about it on the main podcast. I've definitely talked about it on the Patreon podcast where he's part of a lawsuit that involves BoxRec. And um, yeah, I talked about this on the Patreon podcast and I'll kind of briefly mention it here. But there was a fight. There were fights that happened. Hold on. So there were some fights that happened in the Middle East that never made it to BoxRec, which means that they were never actually acknowledged as happening since BoxRec is the official record keeper of boxing. And the allegations in this uh, lawsuit say that, you know, there's a lot of th other things going on. There's other territories where their fights are not being recognized. This one particular, this promoter is saying that because he had a sort of altercation with, not physical, but there was like some words exchanged and there was a lack of respect shown um, that Kinahan used his influence to make sure that that fight would never be officially recognized because you do not do fights in Dubai or wherever Kinahan is associated with. You don't do fights there without Kinahan's approval. You must go through him. And then the guy, uh, you know, he actually has quotes from Kinahan telling him like, yo, you, you're not about to be doing all these things um, without you kissing the ring effectively. And so the stuff where um, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds over the next, um, over the next 12 months, I guess. So let me get a prediction. We should like put predictions in. But anyway, your prediction. How many fights does Canelo do with the zone in 2023? Two. And I, I, what I want to ask you is give me an over under of fights the zone does this year 
uh, cards that they do, but it would kind of be helpful if I could tell you, you know, what they did the last few years, which I don't have. So we'll, we'll save that prediction. Well, the, okay. So the, I mean, I could just tell you off top, like what I think they'll do is it'll go, we'll do two Canelos, one Virgil. Virgil only fight one time. Hmm? The, yeah. Two Munguias. So that's five. One Ryan, six. Throw in like three random Eddie cars, which would be like Montana Love, MJ, and like some other rando. So we're at eight. And two random Golden Boy joints. So like maybe it'd be like one Zerto and like, I don't know who the other one would be. So 10. I'm going to take way over 10. I'm going to take closer <laughs> to 20. But um, yeah, the quality of those cards. Mm. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Um, okay. For the Kinahan prediction, let me get a prediction from you. Um, how many basically under like, you know, under the radar or like uh, unknown promotions win per spids of prominent fights in 2023? There's like Groner on BLK Prime pay-per-view count or no? No. And if you, I mean, I'm pretty skeptical that fight happens anyway, but um, no, it does not count. Okay. um, Three. That's a lot. One, it'll be one Regis fight. Regis going to purse bit again. That's funny. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, if, we're do, if we're talking strictly purse bids, I mean, it's not a lot, a lot of like Randall purse bids that come up like year, year to year, but I don't know. Like, what do you think? I think two. Yeah, like, I was thinking more just like three random fights, like Regis versus this guy on, on like M, uh, BLK or, uh, uh, whatever the other one was it just still fucking astounds me that some company was like let's invest 10 million dollars in a fight but like not have any sort of attention paid to like the quality of the branding and whether it's presented well and all that stuff like it's just completely backwards like this is not how venture capital works it just like I don't know, and no one asks questions about that, which is another thing. Which is, you know, we we on the podcast yesterday we had a conversation about boxing media, but this certainly is in the the realm of like what the fuck are these people doing? Anyway, let's move on to the next one: the Fox deal with PBC. Lex, tell us what you mean by this. Uh, this is a big one. I mean, love or hate PBC, I think you have to give Fox their credit. Um for doing good by the sport. I think they do a really they've done a really good job of like giving boxing fans a free way to watch fights. You have FS1, you get like three or four fights. And on main Fox, you get three or four fights. And the Fox cards are usually pretty good. Not everyone hits, but most of them are hits. And I would be sad to see them go. But, you know, I don't know, like, what they have going on in their world of business and what other deals they have coming up and if they like the PBC or didn't like the PBC relationship. And so, you know, you know, people have been wishing death on the deal for a very long time. And it's like, yeah, you want to dunk on PBC, but, like, there being another platform for, like, P- 
PBC's huge ass stable is good because ultimately the fans benefit by it. And so, um, you know, they've slowed their output down on Fox cars, which has been disappointing. And uh, again, I would be sad to see them go. I'm sure PBC would have like a partner lined up because they are pretty buttoned up in that regard, I think. But I personally like the Fox like presentation. Besides Brian Kenny, I like the announcers. I like the promos they run. I like the all accesses that they do. Um, they just do a really good job of presenting sports, even with the World Cup. Like I was telling boxing fans to watch the World Cup just to see how good the Fox presentation is in general. It, it has the same feel that we would get that we were getting for like Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola, and they have like all the Mexican legends on a round table doing this really cool sit down chat. Like they just really know how to present sports well. So we'll see. Yeah, so Fox, so one, Fox really mattered for boxing. Um, PBC got to directly benefit, but what needs to be understood, and I think this goes for Sky in the UK, but being such a big network with a big reach, presenting boxing in a, in a way that casuals can digest, that was a really major thing because like you're bringing in and exposing a lot of people that don't subscribe to Showtime or aren't watching ESPN on a fucking 10 p.m. on Saturday night or in the UK are not watching, you know, a streaming service that no one has. Having these um having these platforms allow for people to discover boxing, to figure out if they like it or not, and if they do, find out how to get more. And so while, you know, there, there is like obviously the direct sort of like, you know, Fox had to deal with PBC. So there's also that to discuss. But like in terms of like for boxing overall, having that Fox deal was very good. It put boxing uh, in a very big, on a very big platform. And, you know, I think boxing did pretty well for Fox in terms of like the way it was presented, as you pointed out. But I think the fights were generally good enough that like you can't criticize and and I mean up until the pandemic everything changes with the pandemic they drastically slashed what they were going to do they took away their investment that's very clear and um and now it looks like the deal is all but done and so I mean in terms of predictions like is Fox done with boxing I believe so but I'm not 100% I do think that there's a big possibility that that deal can get, be reworked and they keep an investment in boxing on some level um i'm not super confident in it but something just something doesn't sit right with me but i don't know fox is also like in an interesting point because like with a lot of these media companies fox is figuring out um you know they have this big investment in sports uh what but they also have a big media component or a big news component which you know everyone is probably familiar with they're figuring that all out so i don't know i'm you know obviously disappointed that the deal didn't continue the way it was because 2019 was like a terrific year for fox um if they weren't putting on a, like a good meaningful fight they at least put on a entertaining fights it was all presented well and, you know, it's kind of shitty looking back when almost every fight had their version of all access. 
that had a face-to-face for almost all of these fights. They did a weekly TV show to kind of like recap boxing news and all this stuff, essentially doing what we do in a podcast, but in a TV show and with a pretty decent level of production uh, value. I think all that stuff going away kind of hurts the sport, especially because they were, they were doing it well. So I don't know. I'm not convinced that it's totally done between the two of them. But as for right now, I think um, if I had to bet, I would bet that it is done. Um, I yeah, I hope for I hope real quick. I just I hope for a rework of the deal. Um, I could see them being upset. I, I feel like they got burned in some really unlucky ways. Like Wilder Fury and like Kinahan's involvement with that whole saga fucked up the whole pay-per-view trilogy for Fox. And losing out on Arrow versus Pacquiao is another like so unlucky. Cause that would have been a, a huge it would have been a huge winner financially for Fox. And it would have birthed a new star in Arrow who at that point you you he because like, I don't know what the listeners think. I think he would have smashed Pacquiao. So Arrow smashes Pacquiao and maybe from that point on, he's doing like, instead of his like two to three hundred thousand, he's doing like four to five hundred thousand. That's a lot more money. And so, yeah, I don't, I, 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 I don't want to say I feel bad for Fox, but I do think they like had some bad luck with some things with PBC. Well, yeah, they. I think the pandemic really hurt Fox. I mean, like if you look at what they were doing in 2019, the fights look like they were getting better. Uh, than, than they were in 2019. Um, Showtime was legitimately competing and, you know, they're bringing out the best in each other. And then the pandemic happens and Fox just kind of closes up everything. And and I don't know, I don't know why. I never really understood why that happened, why Fox tightened up the way they did. Um, but yeah, the pandemic throws everything off and there were attempts to like, you know, get back on track. But ultimately the arrow injury I think is one of like the probably like the final things where Fox might've been like, all right, this boxing shit is way too volatile. So yeah. Um, next one. How does heavyweight evolve if fury is trapped in the UK? So I guess you're kind of talking about it from the American perspective, like what becomes of the heavyweight scene, assuming that fury can't fight here. Well, just like in general, right? Like, Top rank made a huge investment in Fury. And like whatever you believe happened in the trilogy with Wilder, Fury came all out on top. And it was like a triumphant moment for top rank. It was probably, I'd actually go as far as saying it was their most triumphant moment since like Pacquiao beat like Oscar, maybe. I mean, you have to go far back for them to have like such a, a like defibrillating moment for top rank that could have been like, yo, this is our big moment. We've got this big heavyweight who just knocked out like the like whatever you want to call Wilder, whatever. Like this the the big mouth from Alabama, whatever. He he sings songs, he dresses crazy, he's entertaining. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, well, can't fight in America. So here's the, an interesting thing that I don't think anybody's talking about. How much longer does Top Rank have Fury? Because I think it's 
one more fight. If not, he's already free. I mean, that's a that's like a whole other topic because they do the Usyk fight, and then what? Like they're going to keep paying Fury thirty million a fight to defend in the UK? Like that's trash. Like well, I, I don't think that they they're on the hook for all that money if he fights in the UK. I think it's possible they're, they're on the hook for something. What like you want to dump your wallet on Fury? To, to what like to do fu- fucking 5 p.m afternoon fights like that's horrible well, no one's don't... gonna watch that and against against what opponents like you're not even you won't even be able to do fights against guys who are like built up which is like a huge part of selling the fight which like that's why wilder and fury did so well like both these guys were like super built up joyce won't be built up Usyk won't be built up AJ will be built up, but again, uh, no 5 p.m. fight is popping in America, period. Uh, especially like uh, you try to do it on pay-per-view, it's over for that. I mean, I, think, I don't... I don't do know. Do? I, I don't think that they're... Um, I don't think that their investment in Fury, or at least their obligation to his purses on the fights in the UK are anywhere near what it is when he fights in the US. So um, get, throw out a number. I would say it's a few million at, at most. What's so five? Like two, three. That's it. Jesus, that's low. Because um, Frank Warren takes the brunt of it over there. And so, I mean, I think, I don't know. But if the the silver lining for them is if he's trapped in the UK, they basically never have to pay the big chunk uh, of of his purse. If he, Like as if he were to fight in the US. But even, even that's shitty. I mean, that's like, that's like being a kid who's like, losing at a game and it's like oh, i'm taking the ball so no one else can play well if they like, only have one more fight left on this deal then this will be out of their hair pretty quickly and then they well, can figure what, what out i'm so- saying is like and then okay so then it circles back to my question like that's horrible for the heavyweight division like fury built all this positive momentum by beating wilder and he can't even like bask in it because he can't fight in vegas or new york or well, la it's kind of a moot point because like Fury kind of retired anyway, so I mean he came back, but yeah, he he, re- he retired because Kinahan got caught and the whole shit was a like that shit was sketchy. He had to fall back for a minute. That shit wasn't a real retirement. I mean, well, like let's be honest, you know. Well, if we're being honest, it's like a Fury retirement is as serious as you know, it's not. So yeah, it's just not. It's not serious. It's phony. Like so, but I think. Honestly, I'm going to be positive about it. And I actually don't think it's a big deal. And the reason why is because, like, if you're even trapped in the UK, um, okay, fine. Heavyweight division is basically Fury and Usyk for the foreseeable future. No one in the U.S. right now is ready for that title shot. The The next guy up from, like, being really ready for a title shot is Joe Joyce. UK based. Yeah, but but you know, it's you that's like not the right way to look at it because again, like in the spirit of uh, like we we are too bogged down in being hardcore boxing fans. In the spirit of boxing being discussed on first take with Stephen A. Smith or undisputed with Shannon and Skip, Fury being in the UK does nothing for the sport. It doesn't he's raise the, the level at all. It they're the not talking about him anyway. If he was in Vegas beating the shit out of AJ, they would be talking about it. Maybe, but they're not no, making definitely. the AJ fight in the, in the U.S. 
if, if he could travel to if he could travel to America, no fucking way. Yes, fucking way. No way. I, I, I AJ. They're gonna. gonna they would that. make more money. They would just wait. They would make a fucking shitload of money if they did AJ versus Fury in America at T-Mobile Arena with a bunch of crazy drunk British fans taking a whole vacation to Vegas and Vegas push up a stupid ass site fee and everyone's gonna bro. Vegas don't this, this, listen, anymore. listen, you forgot. This is how big they thought AJ Fury was. They thought AJ Fury was so big that they fucking had those two motherfuckers in a UFC fighting game. Like everyone was fully on board with that fight when when they counted Deontay Wilder out for the third one. They had the, the promo for that shit was off the chain. Uh, I don't I I didn't see it as being that big. Um but I I don't think that if those two dudes were to fight in 2023 cuz I mean, what could have been, sure. I mean, shit, if we want to play that game, uh, we're going to be here all night crying to each other. But um, I think, I don't think that fight is as big as it was in the past. And um, if it were to happen, even if Fury was able to come to the U.S., they're going to do it in in the U.K. I think, honestly, I, I think right now, the fight that or the fighter that is probably at least from a top rank perspective going to be, you know, they're going to be biding their time with this Jared Anderson and they're going to figure out they're probably going to, when they think the time is right, send him to the UK. That's what I think. I mean, probably it seems like that's like what they want to do. Um, I also don't. I mean, think- but it's like it's like it's we're we're not. That's like twenty twenty five talk. Like yeah, I was about to say yet. they're gonna have to wait a long time for Jared Anderson to be good, good enough to beat Fury. I mean, who um, knows if Fury Fury could pop dirty, get arrested. I mean, he's such a wild card. Um, and right. I, and I will say this: if Wilder Fury fight, I'm betting on Wilder again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm betting on Wilder too. I don't give a fuck. Um, but. Let's go prediction. How many times does Fury fight in 2023? One. One fight. Mm-hmm. Prediction for who it is? Mm. Everyone thinks it's Usyk. Uh, I'll go Usyk. I mean, it's like the most obvious, least you know, controversial pick. You know, I just want to say on this podcast specifically, we've tried to do a lot of, well, this is the obvious thing, and we have come up short. Many, many times. I just want to say that. Sure. Okay. Um, it's boxing. Anything can happen. Hector Garcia could come out and knock Tank out in 10 days. Could, but highly unlikely. Shit, I don't know. Tank is looking really unfocused right now, but. Well, they got to figure out what the fuck is going on with that because um, that situation seems like a mess. Tank's kind of posted his side of things. Um I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. Um, let's go quickly through these last ones since we've gone kind of long here. Um, does Arrow versus Bud happen in 2023? So let, let me just ask a couple of questions here. Um, do you think we're going to get closer in 2023 than we did last year or this year, technically? Man, it's such a it's such a hard call. It's like it's so hard to say because Bud is so unpredictable. PBC, I'm pretty sure, gave him everything he asked for, and he still found a way out. And Arrow, on the other hand, like, 
will overcompensate and give him everything he asked for and still sit around and wait for it. And it, it could not happen. Or maybe Bud wisens up. Or maybe Arrow's finally like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to 54. It's really a 50-50 call it, to me. Um, I would lean no, but I'm I'm not very confident at all in that prediction. I think um, I don't think it's going to happen in 2023. I think one, it's become a pretty safe bet to take the does Errol's fight get canceled for reasons that are out of his control. <laughs> That's become a safe bet. Um, the dude just seems to be a little snake bitten. Um, but the, the flip side is how many, how many events, how many cards are we going to get out of BLK prime in 2023 and street beefs and other strange fights like that do not count. Oh man. I'll say Groner versus red catch happens and I, I, they'll do another bud fight. So let's for now say two all right i'm gonna go with i think three i think they do one more um it'd be hilarious if all three were broner cards <laughs> he might actually make weight one of those times him and red catch at 54 uh <laughs> <laughs> uh can you imagine ab winning like a fucking robbery majority decision no, nah, I'm decisions. going on wax. Red Catch is going to be Broner. I'm putting that on wax right, All right now. But, but for, for the sake of my joke here, can you imagine what would happen if he like got this like super shitty decision win over Red Cat and then uh, in his post-fight interview calls out Jermel? <laughs> At 54? Yeah, yeah. All right. Jermel rolls up on Broner, I think. And lets him know, do not fucking talk about me. Um, what happens with Devin Haney and his belts? So, Mike, I guess the question is, does 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 Devin Haney finish the year at 135 pounds? No. Okay, and so, I mean, you put his PBC in his future. I just want to say I don't think so. I think if the Lomachenko fight happens, it is a guarantee that he's re-signed with top rank. And what that also means is that Tiafimo, come on down. You were about to get your ass beat. Actually, it's it's Devin Haney, so you're about to get fucking 12-0'd. That'd be a really cool fight. I'd be... You know I'm harsh on top rank, but I'd be down for that. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good fight. I, I think... Um, like, it would be a good way to cash out Tiafimo on Devin. If, like, that is what top rank has their sights set on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, has it's also just a great carrot to dangle over Haney for re-signing, along with Lomachenko. Has the UK bubble burst? I don't know how we're gonna come up with a prediction for this. Um, I I don't think the bubbles burst. Uh, or or not not necessarily. It will burst in twenty twenty three. I think it already has, and we're seeing a, a regression. Um, in the, I guess a regression to the mean for UK boxing, and I, you know I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I just think that there was a lot, there was a big influx of influx of cash, um, 
and they've kind of shot themselves in the foot with having to start over again on Sky with now Boxer taking that over. So also it does not help when AJ gets beat twice in a row. Um, Golden Boy's future, I think this is interesting. I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they signed a deal. I don't know if it was a one-year deal or multi-year deal, but um, I think it's multi-year. But I think Golden Boy is fine for the time being. The real question with Golden Boy, I think, is can they develop someone else fight fans care about that is not Ryan or Virgil? And will they emerge over the next 12 months? Because that, actually just looking at the prospects that they have, that's like 50-50. And like, I, I don't, not that I don't think that they have good prospects or anything like that, but the ones that do seem good all seem kind of far away from really like taking that step. I mean, I guess maybe if um, Havanesian can beat Neri, maybe that gives them a little boost, although that is a 122-pound fight. So like how, how many people actually care about that? Not not much, but but still. And then our final one, what does top rank do with Tiafimo? So let me just ask you this in terms of like keeping this brief. Do you think Tiafimo fights, let's say anyone, any A-tier fighter this year, and we're going to classify A-tier as like you either have a, a pretty big name or you're like, you know, top two, top three in your division? No. Um... Man. Oh, let me ask you this. Does Tiafimo go undefeated this year? Or next year? Does Tiafimo go undefeated? Uh, yes. So I, I guess he ain't rematching Sandor Martin. <laughs> no, that's definitely not happening. Um. All right. So that, that's it for the list. You want to throw out some like random questions you have for like kind of predictions for next year? Oh man, he caught me off guard. Uh, no, nah, I mean, I think we can stick with what you know we discussed. I think that's a good list. Does Roly Romero fight for a title in twenty twenty three? Yes. Wow, really? Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we will wrap it up here. Thank you guys <laughs> for listening. Part two on the Patreon, which is a, a bit more under the radar, um, and definitely. Uh, no, there's very little overlap from what we discussed today. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a happy new year. Stay safe. And um, yeah, any final words for you, Lex? Does Tank fight in 10 days? <laughs> <laughs> I think he does. I think he does. Looking at all of the the stuff that's come out around this um i definitely think that there's a strong likelihood that the fight is still going to happen i just want to say no i was going to say something that's a little too personal information but go for it go for it go for it no 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 it's 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 a potential doxing stuff but all i'll say is like it's pretty interesting how bail is set I'll, I'll leave it at that, but I may or may not have uh, had to deal with a much, much, much higher bail than um, than what Tank had to do. But I don't know. Maybe I was dealing with different crimes. I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm no, I'm no paralegal, so I'll leave it at that. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like the podcast, go sign up for our Patreon. 
it's the holidays. Maybe you have some gift cards. Maybe you got some money. Uh, maybe you're going to win the mega millions. I don't know. And you want to be a supporter. Maybe you just, maybe you just want to get more podcasts. Maybe you want to join the chat and, and, you know, discuss boxing daily. I don't know. You can do that. Patreon.com slash Sunday puncher. It's a dollar or more, whatever you like. And you get access to all this stuff. So thank you for listening. It's been a good year. If we were more organized, we could do like a year wrap up, like best of the podcast. But I honestly like don't keep track of the podcast we do. Maybe maybe some listeners can like come up with something for us. I don't know. If you do, DM me and uh, let me know. Otherwise, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week.